This is The Week Ahead, brought to you by Advisorpedia and powered by Tematica Research. I'm Chris Versace, Tematica's Chief Investment Officer, and joining me as always, but yet this time from a very different location, is Tematica's Chief Macro Strategist, Lenore Hawkins. Lenore, let's get this out of the way real quick. Where in the world are you? Well, I landed in uh, Dublin, Ireland about less than an hour ago. Okay, <laughs> so all right. So we can San Diego to Ireland. Here, here's the real question, since you had, sounds like copious amounts of time, probably turbulence and couldn't sleep anyway, uh, were we able to watch the Snyder Cut for the Justice League? <gasps> so far, okay, I haven't made it all the way through, but the, I have to say, the Snyder Cut, it just blows everything else away. I, it is one of the best ever, if I, not the I, best. Well, um, I, it's spectacular. So my, my response is, as much as Zack Snyder is awesome in what he does, Hashtag Whedon sucks, I think, will become very popular as a result of this movie, given what he he mangled that original movie into. Oh, and um, since uh, yeah. I don't know if you're, you're I, I can't do this very well. I don't know if you're ahead or behind or whatever time wise. Um, I could tell you that the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, slow burn, slow burn. <sighs> So excited! So this is the important stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But when now, it comes to the markets, <laughs> right? So let's let let's let's talk about what happened uh, last week as we get ready to talk about the week ahead. And I, I think if if I had to pick a couple terms to sum it up, I would say they would be the Fed, Treasury yeah, yields, a lot of Fed. Yep, and February winter weather. And, and I, I think when we look back, you know, this past week was very much what we saw the prior week that stocks, particularly growthier, growthier stocks, are really reflecting what is happening with treasury yields, particularly the 10-year. Wouldn't you agree? And I think we, and we can't, I think we also can't skip that the pandemic is still having an effect in that while you look at the U.S. and Biden's 100 shots or 100 million shots in the first 100 days is looking more like it's going to get to 200 million in the first 100 days. Hey, hey um, just remember, remember, just mark your calendar, April 9th. That's when I get my second. Oh, excellent. So yes, the US is doing fantastic on that. Meanwhile, Europe is way behind. And this past week, uh, a, a pace that was a snail's pace got even slower with some concerns over AstraZeneca. Uh, that's all been cleared up. Now they're back to using AstraZeneca, but there was a, a bit of hubbub on whether or not that was going to be used. And what that all means for the markets is you've got a weaker Europe and you've got the U.S. looking ready to explode. That bodes well for where are you going to put your money? Hmm. The economy that looks like it's going to do great or the economy that's not so much because they still can't get it together. Well, that, that's a great point, right? And it's one of those things that I, I sit there and I, I listen to what you know, Powell is saying which to me, when you put on the you know, Dick Tracy decoder ring, it tells you that the Fed is probably gonna entertain um, warmer, hotter inflation because it continues to focus on that target of employment. And, and when we step back and we think that we're starting to get checks uh, tied to the 1.9 trillion Biden uh, relief plan, not necessarily stimulus plan, but relief plan, um, we're seeing better uh, weather in March compared to February. And, and as we saw, February winter storms really hit a lot of the economic data that was out last week from retail sales, industrial production, housing starts. Uh, and it'll probably continue to hit forthcoming February economic data as well. But again, the, the relief checks, improving winter weather, uh, you know, as we kind of joked before we started taping, um, the US continues to roll back restrictions 
uh-huh. vaccination levels are going higher. I, I think there's a lot of you know positive momentum building in the U.S. economy. And let's just hope that spring break doesn't cause a problem with that. Um, not you, to be did downer, you see those but, pictures? Did you see yeah. those pictures? Not taking it seriously, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we will get those vaccines out, and by summer, as Biden was saying, things will be good. Um, what was really interesting to me in the FOMC statement was, in light of all this investor sentiment around us hitting the roaring twenties and all this inflation out there, there was just a tiny bit of lip service to the economy having quote turned up recently. But the Fed made absolutely no comments whatsoever on the run-up in inflation expectations. And we went from five out of the fifth out of the 18 FOMC officials calling for at least one rate hike in 2023 to seven calling. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. not that big of an increase. And at the end of the day, the Fed also really not that impressed with all of the Wall Street um, estimates for GDP that have been hiked up to like seven to eight percent for for this year. They did raise their estimates from 4.2 to 6.5, but still staying quite below the, the Wall Street estimates. So they were really given at the old Shania Twain bread twit lip service. What have you done for me? You don't impress me much. You don't impress me much. Yes. <laughs> so I was confusing my rock song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm you know, <laughs> right, right, right. So, I mean, Powell was saying that they want to see actual progress, not forecasted progress yeah. uh, and, and some other things. But, you know, you would have thought that that might have tempered the increase in treasuries again, particularly the 10 year, but it did not. No. There was a piece of data that came out the very next day. You're talking that- Philly. Yeah, Philly cheesesteaks. Um, so it was in there, uh, the Philly Fed March survey, and it showed, uh, let me get this here correctly, the highest measure of prices paid in more than, not one, not two, not even three, four, count them, four decades. Yeah, it was, the headline was expected to increase all of 0.9. And instead of increasing 0.9, it increased 28.7. That was the largest one month gain. Now that's, that's the overall. Yeah. The overall, that's what I'm saying. Just the overall. Yeah. Just the overall headline. It was, it was amazing. Um, the, the only other one that we've seen that big was last June, but that's kind of an anomaly, right? Cause you have a lockdown and then opening back up. Um, pretty much all of the subsectors within that were all fantastic. For example, uh, inventory builds were in the 99th percentile of all time. What I thought was really, really interesting, though, is if we compare what came out of the Philly report to Thursday's unemployment report. So that was another one we got. Thursday's unemployment report, while Philly was a really happy surprise, the unemployment report was not. Uh, Initial jobless claims were expected to hit a new low for the pandemic, but instead of dropping to 700,000, they actually rose to 770,000. Now that's the highest reading since the week of February 12th. So instead of seeing things improving, they got worse. Now take that and let's combine that with the Philly report and 64.3% of respondents reported a shortage in labor. So let me get this straight. Hmm. We still have only about a little over 50% of the jobs lost have been recovered. And yet, according to the Philly Fed report, they can't find labor. Uh, just under 60% said that there's a skills mismatch. About 45% said that they have job vacancies that have been open for more than three months. So again, 
we're dealing with really high unemployment. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with roughly 9.5, 10 million people out of work, and yet they can't find jobs. Only 8.9% of firms reported that they're actually finding qualified candidates and more than 25% reported seeing a significant shortage in qualified candidates. So this is something you and I have been talking about a lot mm -hmm. that we, we really have a structural problem in the employment market. And it is much more complex than just getting the economy going and people getting jobs. We were already having that problem before the pandemic hit, but the pandemic really accelerated this by bringing forward the adoption of a lot of automation. And it goes automation from the corporate side where you're using more technology to automate more, more white collar jobs to automation in manufacturing plants. Right. Absolutely. I, I was going to ask, um, did you, how much do you think of it was that mismatch between skills versus we have seen in the, in the past, uh, I can only call it this, and I'm sure you'll get what I'm saying, government math and discrepancies between how different reports are categorized, but it doesn't sound like it. No, I mean, we've been saying that there's a lot of other private sector reports that come out and have been saying similar things that they're, the companies really are having a tough time finding the right person for the job. So there's there's jobs out there. You just can't hire for them. So that says a lot of really interesting things about what we're going to have to do with reeducating people and building new skill sets. Well, th think of the restaurant industry that has accelerated, yeah. you know, digital sales, mobile ordering, that, that sort of thing over the last year. That's not necessarily the, the, the skill set to program that and initiate that is not necessarily the same as, let's just say, your average um, server. Just, yep. It's just not there. Now, did you see the Nike earnings report? Yes. You did. Okay. What jumped out to you? Well, I, this is kind of your thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I see. I see. I see. Thunder. I see. I get it. I get it. Jet lag. You don't want to steal my thunder. I get it. So, um, you know, you know, I, I pile through these calls for when we do the NASDAQ daily markets note and uh, the, something really jumped out at me where Nike was saying that um, they, they saw their U.S. business disrupted really because of supply chain challenges in, you know, really. And we've talked about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Re but really pointing to two things, global container shortages which you yep. don't really hear about that often. Oh, and no, that's, we've, we've talked about that before because that, that's been the problem with you've got all these ships that are in the wrong place. You have all these empty container ships that are in the wrong place because supply chains got all thrown up, thrown apart. And then you've got, because of the pandemic, you can't get that many people working in the ports next to one another. So you have all these ships lined up with full containers to drop their things off and they just can't get cleared fast enough so you've got huge backlog there and across the board. You've got problems with, like I was saying a couple of weeks ago, some furniture companies in Italy are having the same thing where they're saying that their, uh, their freight costs are like 10 X Peloton recently sent an email out to their customers saying that their shipping costs are roughly 10 X of what they used to be because nothing's in the right place. And it's going to take us. That's what we talked about with uh, this inflation, right? Be very careful of the, supposed inflation data that we see coming up because with those supply chains being really disrupted, shipping costs are astronomical compared to what they normally are. That's going to get fed into prices, but that's going to work itself out once everything's kind of back in the flow of the way it used to be. See that listeners, it really does pay to listen to what the high priestess of global <laughs> macro says during these conversations. <laughs>
Okay. So the point being that Nike and their comments regarding um, supply chain challenges is just another indicator that we're likely to see some near-term, but likely short-term inflationary pressure, yeah, which, which helped contribute to uh, the rise late in the week of uh, treasury yields. Um, but there was something else that spiked the treasury yields. And I, I, I don't know if you saw this because I, I know you were in transition, but the Yeah, Fed not extending. Out, yeah, yeah. But the, so the Fed came out and they said that they're not going to extend a, a pandemic era rule that allowed banks to relax capital rules. That, that uh, pandemic style era rule expires at the end of March. And the thinking is, this is going to prompt banks and other financial institutions to sell treasuries, which will likely drive yields even higher in the short term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a, a bit of a tapering almost. Is it, it's a bit of a de facto. And I think there's a lot of surprise that they actually did this. Um, because it, when the, during the FOMC meeting, it, it was not expected. There was questions going around this. All the Fed did was respond with a, a pre-planned announcement that we'll get to this later. And then they announced it. I'm surprised that they did it now, but they announced it uh, just this morning, Friday morning. Sticking to the script. Yep, exactly. Okay. Well, I think the bottom line, you know, as we said earlier, is the Fed is going to let inflation run a little hotter so it can get closer to its, uh, so it get employment closer to historical norms. Uh, likely means the run up in treasuries, probably not over. Yet. Right, right. And I, I think it means that as investors, you're going to want to watch uh, the, the real data, just like Powell said, what, what's the actual data telling us versus what's the expected or forecasted going to say. But at the end of the day, you and I both know the data does not lie. And based on that, we'll figure out what's going to happen with inflation and what the Fed has to do with the Fed funds rate. Yep, absolutely. Okay. All so right. look at it next week. Let's do that. Uh, so I, you know, we kind of said earlier that um, a lot of the economic data of late's been hit by the uh, winter storms in February. I think we're going to see that again next week, though. You know, it's a real shift in the data. I, I would, I would bucket it into uh, three things. Sorry, two things. Uh, the first is going to be a, a lot, just more housing data. Existing home sales for February, new home sales for February. Again, likely to see impacted by the winter storms, but. But also, when we look at those, look at them by region, because it's been real popular to say that this has been the weather. And granted, if you looked in the areas that were hardest hit by the weather, there were big hits to those sales. But if you looked over in the West, where you didn't really have any weather problems, there's also a decline. And I think what we're seeing is the impact of rising rates is affecting mortgages. I think that's right. I think that's right. I, I also want to, you know, I, I meant to bring this up sooner and I didn't, but since we're talking about economic data last week and um, yeah. the coming week, a lot of the reports that we got, the headline commentary around that is mm -hmm. month over month, right? Yes. So they're comparing February to yeah. January. Now, I understand people like to do that. Um, because I tend to look at companies and I tend to be looking at revenue growth on a year-over-year -year basis or mm -hmm. earnings growth on a year-over-year -year basis. I try to look at the data, the economic data as well on a year-over-year -year basis. And when I did that, well, retail sales for February weren't all that bad. Housing starts, no. housing starts were actually up mid-teens year-over-year. Oh yeah, no. On a year-over-year, -year, they're still quite good. It's just, are we seeing a change in direction? Mm-hmm. I get it. No, I understand. Look, there's, 
there, there's a triangulation between the two ways to look yeah. at it. No, you, doubt, you can't. No you, you can't look at just one or the other. You really need to do exactly to your point. You need to go year over year to say, well, where am I in the big picture? And then the month over the month kind of gives you more of a, well, what's kind of the momentum here? The, mar the margin. Exactly. And even with that, with the month over month, I kind of like to do maybe a three month. Rolling three? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Because you, get, you can get monthly spikes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it'll be important to look at uh, existing home sales, new home sales mm -hmm. as well on that year over year basis. And then the other one that I want to watch is going to be the February personal income and spending report. You yes. Know, again, consumer directly, indirectly, two thirds of the economy. But here's the thing, even though I was just saying year over year, I do expect the uh, personal income to fall and personal spending to fall on a month over month basis. And, and the simple reason is January uh, spending, which we saw in retail sales as well, benefited yeah. so much from those December, excuse me, December yeah. stimulus checks. And we already heard companies from Visa to MasterCard saying that January was great, February was a little more normalized. So I, I think we're gonna see that turn up in the data. Um, anything I missed that you might wanna call out? No, I think another thing to look at when we're looking at the, that spending and income, and as you're saying, when these checks go out and you get these spikes in spending, is I, I, this makes me think about the Cash for Clunkers program. If you remember that, right? When <laughs> it was... Wait, are we, was are saying, we talking... Hey, wait, wait. Are we talking jobs created or saved now? Exactly. Well, what we're talking about is, is this really pulling forward demand? These right. spikes in spending is that just like we saw with cash for clunkers, you saw this fantastic auto sales during the cash for clunkers program because people were like, hey, I can get a new car for a lot less. But what that was doing was people were gonna buy a car in the next couple of years. And instead of doing it in the next couple of years spread out, it was happening all at once. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. could be seeing a lot of, of demand that's really being pulled forward, which I think the Fed's also looking at too, that in, as the, the stimulus tapers off, you know, how, how long are we going to have to keep doing these big, huge injections into the economy? Because after you stop them, are things going to slow down again? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It, it might not be the only, uh, let's put it this way, inflation may not be the only temporarily hot thing that we have to watch for. Exactly. Okay. All right. On the earnings front, it's a really thin week. There's only, uh, I think, a handful of companies to really talk about. Uh, Adobe. Oh, but Ga there's GameStop. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll get to that. Just hang on. So you got Adobe GameStop uh, on Tuesday, General Mills, Winnebago, KB Home, and the old restoration hardware now known as RH on Wednesday, and then Darden on Thursday. Now, you seem very hot and heavy on GameStop. Go right ahead. <laughs> well, you know, who doesn't who doesn't want to know what's going on with GameStop? It's amazing how you have a stock price so completely disconnected from the underlying company. Although it's not the only one, I have to say out there. It's but it, it'll it's not at all. It'll it'll be interesting though, to hear from Winnebago what's going on with them because they got so hot during the pandemic and when it was really bad, right? Because everybody's mm -hmm. saying, "Well, I can't I can't get on a plane." I'm not going to stay in a hotel. I'm going to get a Winnebago. Uh, you know, and that could be another pull forward in demand, right? Possibly, possibly. You know, uh, Camping World reported, I think, a week or two ago, and, and uh, Thor Industries, which also serves that marketplace, yeah. and they're all talking about rising demand. So yeah. I, I expect Winnebago will have at least a good print for the quarter, maybe a good one, two quarter. Uh, into, sorry, good forward one or two quarters in terms of guidance, but we'll, we'll see what they say about the full year. 
just, just circling back to GameStop, I, I have one word that I really hope happens with that stock. You ready? What's that? Defrocked. That's what I hope. <laughs> yeah. Because to your point, you know, when, when you look at the valuation of the shares, the volatility of the shares over the last, you know, several weeks, largely inspired by that Reddit group, you really have to wonder, like, do these people even know the business model? Do they understand? Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, business models are relevant. No, no, but but this could be a time, and it happens, you know, from time to time that reality actually catches up with something. Well, if you look at GameStop, compare that to RH, where they have done a fantastic job with the actual underlying business, and they have been rewarded for that. Mm-hmm. They've, they've mm-hmm. continued to outperform, and I'll be really interested to hear from them what they see going forward. Do they suspect that they've had a real pull forward in demand? And do they think that in the coming quarters, they may get less than they would have otherwise expected? Because everybody was sitting at home going, I have to get rid of this couch. Yeah, you only need so many couches, only so many yeah. tables. So the, the last major one is going to be Darden. And, and the mm-hmm. reason that I'm kind of looking at that is how do they see the Biden relief checks kind of playing out on their business? How do they see their businesses opening up um, as these restrictions continue to, to, to decline? Right. And, and it's just funny to me that, you know, there's a lot of kids around the country that aren't going to school, but Walt Disney World is opening. Priorities. True, true, <laughs> true. Okay. All right. And then the, just outside of economics and earnings, uh, the other thing I think we should just touch on really quickly is Washington. That's going to be back yeah. in focus yet again. Uh, yes, we, we talked about it several times. The 1.9 trillion relief bill is underway and getting disseminated. The ne- next up is going to be the follow-up economic plan from Biden, which seems to be really centered around infrastructure. But, they, they, but that's the wrinkle though, right? You know, yeah. they're going to try and push through one of the first federal tax hikes in in how long? Right? It feels a little bit like the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> yes, it does. That, it that does. really is driving with, it's driving with one foot on the brake because if we're doing all the stimulus on one hand, but then we're going to You had to do that. You had to do that. I did. You had to I do did. <laughs> okay. Well, my concern is that it, it could take what should have been a uh, across the aisle measure infrastructure and it's going to make it a very partisan one because of the tax hikes. I think so. And I think um, we are going to be seeing more of this all over the world, frankly, through much of the developed world, because all of this stimulus is going to have to get paid somehow. And you just can't print all of it. Okay. Okay. So you mean tax hikes? Yeah, tax hikes. Okay. At one point, I'm like, what, what? More, more inflation? Sorry, more infrastructure okay. all over the world? No. Okay. So I, I agree with you with that. And then... Um, you know, exiting uh, last week, there was the first face-to-face meeting between um, U.S. and China officials regarding trade under the Biden administration. And I could not believe what I was reading, how these guys were bickering like, uh, I mean, it sounded like a grade school lunchroom. Don't touch well, me. Putin, Stop it. You don't know what you're doing. Ah, bah, bah, bah. Putin did say to Biden that it takes one to know one. I know, but this is with China. They don't, do, 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 they, do they use that? Geopolitics have become just painful. So that's why we just try to focus on the markets. But to your point, like US-China relations getting dicey again, that's a headwind to a lot of parts of the economy. Well, the pause, I mean, I, I agree that it's an extremely, let, let's just call it like dating. It's a very complex relationship. Yeah. 
And um, I'm, I'm hoping that it's not played out so much in the media, like it's been for, yeah. you know, as long, I, you know, not as long as I can remember, but it sure feels that way. So, yeah. and I think Lenore, if I'm not mistaken, that's the week ahead. The week ahead. You got to work on your timing. <laughs>